Welcome, welcome, welcome to another marvelous episode of CFB Nation, hosted by me, Lever KT. And of course, we got Nino, Mr. Clutch in the building. Nino, how you feeling today? Gassed up, ready to go. We're doing back-to-backs now for the rest of the time, so let's get it. Hey, hey, you already know what time it is. We're talking about the game. That's right, we're talking about Michigan versus Ohio State. This game is for all the marbles. If things go right in the conference championship, this is the 117th meeting between these two teams. Let's talk about the history a little bit. Michigan leads the series 59-51. I was, I was a little surprised by that. Um, with six ties, Michigan is currently on a one-game win streak, and they won last year's game 42-27. We know that won't happen this year with Jim Knowles. Uh, both teams are currently 11-0 in the winner of this game. And if they also can win a conference championship, they are guaranteed a spot in a college football playoff. Michigan is averaging 40 points per game. Defense is only giving up 11 points per game. Red zone offense has been a key metric for them. 55 of 59 in the red zone. That's damn good. Even though only 38 resulted in the touchdowns, but I like to see teams are scoring in the red zone. Um, and defensively, their defense is top dog. I want to say they got the number one total defense, number two total defense and all of college football. That is crazy. Michigan is only allowing 30% conversion rate on third down. Let's talk about Ohio State a little bit. Ohio State is averaging 46 points per game. Uh, uh, they're scoring 46 points per game. My apology. They're only allowing 16. Red zone offense is phenomenal. They're 52 of 54 at a 96% clip. And get this. In the red zone, they're scoring touchdowns 80% of the time. That is ridiculous. Um, and the third quarter is their key quarter. They're outscoring opponents 139 to 13. You heard that correctly. They do damage in the first quarter. That's where they scored their most points. But when you think of the, the total disparity, it's, it's ridiculous. Top 15 defensively on third down percentage, uh, passing yards allowed, and total defense. Key matchup before we pass this thing to Nino. We're talking about offensive coordinators from Michigan, Sharon Moore, and Matt Weiss. But be Crystal clear. Jim Harbaugh has a big saying in what goes on here. He wants 50% balance between running pass. We don't get that a lot with Michigan, but that's that's what he wants. Versus Ohio State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. He has completely ramped this defense. I've told you some of the things in the opening, what they've done defensively. Nino, what are some of the players to watch for, storylines that you're paying attention to, and also what are your keys to victory for both teams? Well, they, they made it here. Right, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think they would survive without losing one to this point, the Wolverines. But my guy, Kevin Coleman, at the boys 22, I spoke to him today about the Wolverines. He's a huge Wolverines guy. Um, he said Colin was handing out turkeys yesterday, and he had a limp. Mm. So as of right now, he's highly questionable. It's a lower leg injury. They ain't really letting that cat out the bag yet. Um, but he also told me, and I looked into it, Donovan Edwards is... It's questionable, too. So they might be running with the freshman. I don't know. I don't want to say or disrespect anybody on the Wolverine side, but you are not beating Ohio State with a freshman running back that has less than 30 carries on the year. I'm sorry. It's just not happened. Mike Morris, the linebacker for the Wolverines, who's got 20 tackles on the year, uh, 14 solo, seven sacks, two pass events, a forced fumble. He can't stop everybody on that team. It's, just, it's physically impossible for him to do that. And Junior Colson can't can only give so much on the pass rush for the Wolverines. Harbaugh needs to go to his kitchen, open up that second drawer to the right of the, of the, uh, of the sink, and throw away all the cookie cutters. Get all the cookie cutter plates out to play, throw them in the trash. You need to reinvent your system, and you need to do it now. This needs to be the J.J. game, okay? This needs to be the J.J. McCarthy, and why everybody wanted Kate to go. I was an avid guy. 
Cade's got to go. Get him out. He's not the dude. JJ's the dude. And JJ's been on cruise control. He just literally said, all right, Corm, give me a cape. I'm going to ride these tails till the wheels fall off. Something's got to change. Hobbard's got to come in his bag and, and do something if they want to be even in this game. On the other side of the ball, what in God's name has happened to Trayvon Henderson this year? I know he was injured a little bit. Two games there, he was injured. Bro, like, Ryan Williams was dogging you. He's out with a leg injury. I don't even know if you're going to play in this game. You only got 571 yards total. Is is Dallas Hayden really going to be the guy for Ohio State? Like, is this going to be the, the huge game we all wanted with third string running backs in it? Like, is this really what's going to go down? That's crazy. But Tommy Etchenberg, who's had 105 tackles, 67 solo, two and a half sacks, he's going to be J.J. McCarthy's nightmare. If J.J. can avoid Tommy and, and use his legs a little more, throw the ball down and try to feed Bell and um, Cornelius Johnson, who combined these two wide receivers have six touchdowns. You're number three in the country, and your two top receivers have six total touchdowns. I just threw up my mouth a little bit. That's gross. Yeah. On, on the other side of the ball, you <laughs> got two crazy. receivers who got almost 20 touchdowns, and they're not even the number one dude on the team. And Buka and Harrison Jr., they got 19 total touchdowns. They have almost 2,000 yards combined, right? And they're not even number one because JSN is number one, and he hasn't even really played all year. I see a route. I would like a close game. If somehow Michigan can stay close, I would be shocked. I think it's over by halftime, unfortunately. Over by halftime is Nino's prediction. I, I'm erring on the side with Nino, you know, for the very same reasons. You put, you know, Kate McNamara was a game manager in your eyes. You put in J.J. McCarthy because we've seen the type of throws like the throw that he made against Colorado State. We've seen the big throws, but why have y'all been scaling them back? You could have just kept K. McNamara if you were going to still call these offensive plays in the same facet. Jim Knowles has given the Ohio State Buckeyes swag defensively. What Oregon was able to do last year, go into Columbus and beat them the way that they beat them. Ryan Day, I think, knew at that moment he had to go get him a veteran defensive coordinator to be able to get this defense the way that that defense needed to play. And even though against Merlin they had some slip-ups, when it came time to make a play, they made a play at the end of the game. Give me Ohio State 31-17. I just don't Ooh. know how they're going to be able to uh, score a lot of points. You had something to say. Go ahead. You said they were able to make a play. Would they be able to make a play, or was Maryland not able to make a play? Because there's about three or four plays mm -hmm. Maryland makes in that mm -hmm. game, mm -hmm. and Ohio State's got an L. Yeah, well, so Maryland was able to make some plays. Like, we've seen them able to con uh, convert the two-point conversion. They were able to answer every time they went down. But uh, you've seen the strip sack. Uh, Talia, I hope he's okay. I never got a post-game report whether, you know, he's injured or not. But you've you seen the strip sack. It ended up being like a strip sack touchdown. So I think they were just able to make a play. They pinned them down on the uh, goal line. They had the full length of the field to go. I think their defense made a play. I agree. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I definitely see you were coming from. Hey, man, you all got the ducky shirt on today? That's what we're yeah, doing I, next? Yeah, I, I know. I should. I, I, I want to. Listen. I'm on TV too much. I'm on TV too much. People be like, yo, this guy's wearing the same shirt again. <laughs> <laughs> My man Nino too clean for that. So let's talk about <laughs> Oregon versus Oregon State. Uh, Oregon winning there in the Pac-12 championship. Yesterday, for some reason, I thought Washington uh, controlled the, their own destiny because they have the head-to-head -head victory. 
But Oregon has the better conference record. So that is why if Oregon win, they in. Washington will certainly need some help. So let's let's talk about this game. Yes, sir. <laughs> Flex one time for him, Nino. Um, it's, <laughs> this is 127th meeting. Uh, Oregon leads the series 67-48 with 10 ties. Oregon is currently on a one-game, one streak. They won last year's game 38-29. to And Eugene, uh, Oregon Ducks 9-2, controlling their own destiny for the Pac-12 championship. If they will, they will be matched up with USC. Things can get really interesting here. I seen, was it Bill Connolly? Could have been somebody else. Posted Maybe Danny Connell posted something on Twitter that got interesting. What happens if Georgia loses to LSU? I think even if that happens, they're still in the national. They're still in the college football playoff. But how do you look at Oregon? How do you look at LSU? If Oregon's able to, you know, win this Pac-12 championship, how is USC viewed? There's just so many if ands, buts, and maybes. But we can only talk about the team that controls their own destiny. Oregon is averaging 40 points per game. They're allowing 26 points per game. Dan Landon is going to get that down over time. But the biggest Dan Landon impact is the fact that Oregon is possessing the ball 31 minutes a game. We're talking about the same Oregon team just a few years ago, just fast-paced. They wanted to score pass. They couldn't possess the ball at all. So, also, one thing uh, to mention, Oregon offensive line protects Bo Nix. I don't know if it's NIL money. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's NIL money Like he's buying them TVs, Jordans, whatever But they protect that man I'm, I'm trying to tell you uh, So those are the, the kind of the metrics for Oregon Let's move over to Oregon State Oregon State is a grit and grind team They're 8-3 and three, but they are ugly 8-3 and three. But a lot of people who prefer defense They are purest 8-3 uh, 31 points a game Only allowing 20 points per game Oregon possessed the ball 33 minutes a game, which is 17th in the nation, and actually they lead the uh, Pac-12 by a landslide. It's only a couple of minutes and minutes, but when you look at the national rankings, it's a it's a landslide. Uh, but I really do like uh, this uh, Oregon State defense. A key matchup we need to watch out for: Oregon's offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who is reported to be one of the top choices for Arizona State. Keep that in mind. Even though you could be a top choice for a school, you still have to interview for that school. You still you still have to get ready. I'm not saying that's going to deter him from his duties as the offensive coordinator from Oregon, but this offense didn't look as sharp as it typically does versus that Utah team last week. Versus Trent Bray of Oregon State, defensive coordinator. He's known for his aggressiveness, and he held a high-powered USC offense to 17 points. Nino, I want to hear the response. Let's get a rebuttal right now. <laughs> Did you just say that they didn't look high-powered? My man's out there doing the stanky leg. He's got <laughs> one leg, right? He comes in like yeah. super. Literally, that when that man walked down the tunnel, Eugene, you could have heard him from space, okay? Like, they didn't think he was going to play. No, yeah, they nobody thought, thought he was going to play. The boy came out, literally could not move, was immobile. If they came to hit him, he literally just fell down. Like, And I yeah. don't blame him, but he balled out. The, the only time, thing. the only time he ran, it, it was it was on the third and one. He was able to he was able to get the quarterback sneak. Bonex played great. Their offense still left much to be desired. This is college football. Like if you can't put up points, you know it's like bronze in the turd. Either you put up your points or you don't. I all right, all right, that's fine. But when the dude that's running the ship is got one leg. And the offense runs around him, and he's the hot beat because he's the hot beat of that team. Yeah. Three thousand yards. He's got you know almost forty touchdowns. Listen, I, he couldn't chuck the rock like he wanted to, and he still made some 
legitimate NFL. Throws, oh yeah, for for right? sure. He should be playing on. He, he should be playing on Sundays. Bo Nix did look sharp the game. Just the offense in totality didn't look as sharp. So it showed that, me one thing: if Bo Nix can't go out there and win you a game, they may be in some trouble. Listen to me. I'm gonna tell you something that nobody's talking about though. Mm-hmm. Talking about how the offense is this and the offense is that. That was an MF and defensive spectacle. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. They clamped it. They locked it down. They said Oregon got no defense. They had, like switch cheese holes everywhere you go. Well, listen, they were ready to go. They were locked in. I do not see. I know it's gonna be at home in Oregon State. Uh, the Beavers are a tough team at home, and I love Damian Martin. Um, the Damian Martin is a freshman running back. He's got mm-hmm. 867 yards. Seven touchdowns. He's got a six point one yards per carry. Straight dog. And that defense is ranked twenty fourth overall in the nation, right? And maybe they could slow down a one legged Bo Nix. I mean, how can you slow down a guy who's crawling now, right? <laughs> I'm really. It's, he's letting you. He's, he's he's slowing down for you, and teams can't stop him. Um, who Ryan Cooper's a dog, right? For for, for the Beavers, mm-hmm. thirty five tackles, twenty two solo tackles, got a sack, got eight pass defenses, and three picks. But he's got to pick a guy. Which guy are you going to try to cover? Is it going to be Thornton Jr.? Is it going to be Franklin? Because if you're going to tr- if you're going to try to take Franklin out of the box, I'm telling you right now, Hudson, Thornton Jr., and Bucky are going to go wild. Now, offensive line, they protect Bo because they're going to the show. I guarantee you two out of those five-star offensive lines from Oregon will play on Sundays. They are the number one overall offensive line in the country. They have the least amount of pressures uh, applied to Bo Nix. It also helps that Bo Nix is mobile. You're right. I'm not, I'm not you know, just going to say it's all them. Listen. Oregon's taking this game. I think Oregon's going to take this game mightily. Uh, I'm going to go with a two-touchdown favorite. My point, they're going to win by at least two touchdowns. And all this is going to be silence. I don't want to hear no more BS about it. All right? He's the deal. Bonix is the deal. I'm not saying he's first round. Brian, he could be first round. Write that down. But they're led by Sewell and Bennett Williams. The defense is, is grooving. Like I said to you last week, I said it to you yesterday. Wanted Sewell to be moving. I wanted Bennett Williams to be able to do his thing. They did that, right? Now let Gonzo be Gonzo. Because last week he wasn't the dude. All year, Gonzo's been a free-flying spirit cornerback. Mm-hmm. Big hitter. Follows the ball. He's got a nose for the ball. Right? In the game that they lost to Washington, they had him. They gave him bump coverage. They were playing bump coverage. Let him play all oh, five, six, seven. Dude, that's not his game. Let Gonzo be Gonzo. Let Sewell be Sewell. And let Bennett Williams just smash the shit out of people. Because that's what he does. In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Give me the Beavers. Upset alert. I'm trying to tell you. Give me the Beavers. 23 to 17. This is going to be an ugly game. This is the same team in Oregon State that should have beat. That should have beat USC. They should have beat them. Should have, would have, could have. But Caleb Williams, the person who will win the Heisman this year, just, just, just. Just wouldn't lose. But I'm telling you now, if Bo Nix is still hobbling around, this is not the team you want to be playing the hobbling around against against. Give me Oregon Hold State. Up. And if if and if Oregon wins this game, there will be no more Will Levis slander for the rest of the season for me. There will be <laughs> no more Bo Nix slander for the rest of the season. I can promise you that. Book it. And if Oregon State loses this game, you guys can duck on me on Twitter. Wait, wait a minute. No more for the rest of the season. It's the last game. What is, I see how you work. I see how you work. Scoot out the back door, making it seem like you got plenty of time. Come on now. I mean, when is, you know. How many times do they got to come back and prove to you that they're the better team? They, they just smoked Utah. 
with a one-legged quarterback, and Utah beat USC. Always remember this. Styles make fights. Styles make fights. (laughs) I try to love it. Let, let, I'm gonna leave it there. Hey man, I'm, I'm gonna see you. I, man, I'm, I'm about to say, see you. Me and Nina are gonna need an hour show one of these days. I don't know if we can continue to condense this to 30. USC, Notre Dame, not gonna do a, a big grand entrance for this one. <laughs> do the do the time constraints, but this is the 90th meeting between these two teams. Um, honestly, the key matchup for me is Lincoln Riley, the air raid offense. We know what he likes to do. He likes to do the four verticals, the utilization of the H-back, which is a big principle in the air raid offense. That date, date back a long time. And then we're talking about Marcus Freeman. Then we're talking about that 4-3 he loves to run. And then we're talking about those mug eight fronts, which somehow he's able to do show eight. He may only send four. He may only send five. But that's what he's able to do. <laughs> Nino. What's some of the players to watch out for? What's the storylines you're looking at, too? What are your keys to victory? And I can't wait to hear your prediction for this game because I struggle with this one. I'm not going to lie to you. So, what do you? how do you feel Marcus Freeman has coached this season? Like, real quick, before I get into my thing. What are your I, thoughts I, on Freeman? I think, think about the way the season started. Think about the Ohio State game. Think about, okay, they, 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 they shut a high-octane offense down. If you want to say shut, maybe we should say contain. Then think about the loss to Marshall, and then think about where everybody was coming for his dome. And then after that, did they who did they lose to after that? Ah, uh, it was. Did they beat Cal? Yes, yes, they came back to beat Cal. Yeah, right? came back to beat Cal. It was a it was another loss in between there. But long yeah, story short, think... if you think about where they were then, and you think about where they are at now, they. They're in a much better place. I think he's done a pretty decent job. No one should have expected him to be Brian Kelly year one. I think offensive-minded head coaches have a slight edge over defensive-minded head coaches. All right, all right. In, 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 so, in certain realms. Uh, you know, they're they're independent. Maybe they don't matter as much, but I, I, think he, I think he's doing a pretty decent job. I'm not a fan of Freeman. I think he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah. You lost Buckner, right? Buckner was your quarterback, gone. So you're running the sophomore Drew Pine for the last three games. Kid's mm-hmm. doing his thing, right? Got 1,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, five picks on the year. It was like a two-rush I, I thought he should have started from day one. Uh, I thought he should have, too. I just heard Buckner had a better camp. Better camp. Whatever. You gotta go. Yeah, yeah, you got to go with the guy who's winning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You came into the se- season with Tyree as your running back. Boom. Blown ACL. Out. Done. Diggs is the next man up. Boom. Hurt. Shoulder injury. Out. Right? Hmm. Audrick Esteem came in. You had no hope for the kid. Sophomore. You didn't think he was going to do anything. It's almost 800 yards rushing, eight, 11 touchdowns. So right off rip, you lost two of your running backs and your starting quarterback, and you're still 18th in the country. I think he's doing a hell of a job. I wish they had more of a passing offense. I oh, thought yeah. Lorenzo Styles was going to ball out this year. He's mm-hmm. only got 360 yards, one touchdown. I just looked at that bowl game last year, and he went off, and I was like, oh, man, this is... This kid's going to be something next year. I, I don't know if it's just the system. We'll see what happens. May is the dude, right? 711 yards, 7 mm-hmm. touchdowns, 11 yards per catch. Um, Can can he, can he Freeman last nine rounds with Lincoln Riley? Ooh, I don't know, man. I feel like Lincoln Riley, they're going to hit him with the, the club of Lang. And Freeman ain't going to be able to hang. But USC's hurting, right? They just lost Travis Dye last game. right? So now your main running back is gone. 
He's the guy that takes the pressure off of Caleb, right? Caleb's don't, doing the thing. He's got to be the Heisman front runner at this point with Hooker being out for the rest of the year. And there, and uh, Drake May kind of thrown up on his pants last week. Um, now you got Austin Jones, who's only got 500 yards rushing. Or is it Relique Brown? I like Brown, but Austin mm-hmm. Jones came in and transferred, right? From what is it, UCLA, I believe? Was it UCLA? Yeah, I think it was yeah. UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. He's backup. So you're going to see what happens there. You got Addison and Rice. Obviously, those are the dudes because Mario Williams is still hurt. He was probable last week. Didn't play. Says he's probable this week. Don't trust it. I don't think they need him, right? So, like, they're going to save Mario for the game against Oregon or whoever it is to win the Pac-12 championship. Mm. My problem here is I want to say at this point in my conversation, I'm at a 50-50. I really am. Foskey's going to give Caleb a lot of trouble. He just became Notre Dame's all-time sack leader with nine. He had nine and a half sacks this year. Um, he's a dog. He's playing on Sundays. I would love him to go to Patriots. It's like my ideal landing spot for Foskey, but he'll be gone before my Pats can pick him. But he's going to be the guy to, to disrupt Flames. They can't get the running game going. It could be something that could, you know, possibly affect them. But the dude on the defensive side, who's probably going to wreak havoc on, on Drew Payne, and I feel bad for him on, on Saturday, is uh, Thule. I can't even say his name. I'm just going to call him Thule. I mean, this dude's just a machine. 38 tackles, 25 solo, 11 and a half sacks, three pass defenses, and two false fumbles. He's probably going to be in Drew Pine's nightmares comes Saturday night into Sunday morning. Um, I'm going to go USC 28-17. I wish I could show you my sheet right now. I'm going to try. You can't even see it. Let me see if I can get on <laughs> camera so you can see it later. That's exactly what I have. USC 28 to 17. Here's what I struggle with when trying to pick this game. Lincoln Riley has a history of struggling with teams that are overly physical. Well, Notre Dame is a very physical team. So that was my thought process coming in. I'm like, I think the the key for USC will be the fact that they they always get timely turnovers. I think yes. they have roughly like 18 interceptions on the season, something like 11 formal recoveries. Whenever they need a big play to happen defensively, it happens. Granted, they do give up some points. Granted, they do give up some yards. But their defense will make plays from time to time, and I just don't see how Notre Dame can beat them. But 28 was the capper. I almost wanted to call it 24-21 because of how good this defense is. But, yeah, 28-17, that's exactly what I had on my paper. Moving, They'll be on the field too much. That's what I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wow, that's crazy. We had the same score. That might be the first. <laughs> I, I know we haven't done many predictions. We've done a few. I remember the Tulane and um UCF yeah. uh, prediction. But, wow, score dead on. I like that. Great minds think alike. Florida, Florida State, will the Gators continue their three-game win streak in this series? Uh, let's, let's talk about this game a little bit. So, 66 uh, meeting between these two teams. Uh, Florida leads the series 37 to 26 with two ties. And are currently on a three-game win streak, like I said in the opening. Let's let's get down to the meat and potatoes of this matchup. Florida State, I'm a big fan of. I, I like what their defense is doing. I like how they started the season 4-0, lost three straight, all close games. Now they're on another four-game winning streak. Key matchup for me is uh, Florida Gators' offense, according to Rob Sale. He's like the, he liked the run to set up the play action, but we don't know which Anthony Richardson we're going to get. And it has to be the right one if they're going to plan on beating this Florida State team who has lost the two games that they lost. I'm sorry, the three, three games that they lost. I know two of them were by like a combined 11 points. 
They they have been in every game that they played in. Uh, so, like I said, the key matchup for me is uh, Florida Gators offensive coordinator Robert Sale. I told you what he liked to do. And then uh, Florida uh, Florida State's defensive coordinator Adam Fuller. Nino, talk to me about storylines, superlatives, players to watch, keys to victory, all that jazz. We must be locked in today. I think, you know, this this might be like a, a 12th or 13th show together. Mm-hmm. But if, I, if I could show, if you can go look on the sheet, you can see the sheet. It says, mm-hmm. which AR do we see? That, my line. That's that was crazy. my first question. That's crazy, <laughs> right? Because just in a two-week span, this is how, this is my thing with Anthony Richardson is the inconsistency, right? You mm. go against Vandy for 403 touchdowns, and then the week before against South Carolina, you go for 112, 47% completions and two touchdowns. That is just too different for me. I, I can't, I can't, I can't buy in on that. I can't, you know, tie you down and lock in and ride you to to the championship. I just don't know what I'm getting. I granted, you, you, you know, the talent you got is through the roof, and he's mobile. You know, he's got uh, 613 yards rushing, nine touchdowns. But, dude, you got nine touchdowns, only 14 passing, and you had 55% of the year. Mm. You, you attempted, a, you have completed 167 passes, but you've rushed for 93. Mm. Like, that's, I don't know, man. The hype on it, see, Richard, is, is huge, but is it real? Now, on the running side of that game, then, Montrell Johnson, he came down to earth, right? He was at like nine yards per carry for most of the season. Now he's at like six, which is nothing to you know, shake a stick at. Seven, 42 yards, nine touchdowns. My guy, this is my X factor in this game. If they are to win, is Trevor Etienne. He mm. is, well, nobody thought him to do anything. Freshman, he's at almost 100 attempts, almost 600 yards, five touchdowns. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He's the dude because the passing game is anemic. doesn't exist. It really is his broken play, McGee, and that is it. Justin Shorter, all the talent in the world, all the measurables, two touchdowns, 577 yards, 29 receptions. That's your leading receiver with 29 receptions. And then who, who's come on recently, Ricky Purcell, he's got 24 receptions for 448. He's averaging 18 yards a catch. He's only got three. So your top two guys got five total touchdowns. Yikes. I don't see how that's going to work. They dismissed Brent Cox Jr. I don't know what happened. I think he slapped Kenny McIntosh in the end zone of that, that game uh, against Georgia. And they dismissed him. But it's worked out in the favor of Audrey Bernie. Um, he stepped it up the last couple of games. He's got 65 total tackles, 35 sold, four sacks, three pass defenses, and interception. The dude's been everywhere this season, mostly just taking over the last three or four games. On the other side of the ball, Jordan Travis has been surprisingly yes. really, really yes. good. I was, you know... I watched the very first game against LSU. And I was like, whoa, what was this last year? Because this is not what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And he's developed more. Um, it just sucks that they have to rely on him pretty much for everything. Uh, I mean, yes. Yeah, they got Benson and Ward. And Benson's got close to 1,000 yards. But Travis is, is, is literally the dude for them, right? Johnny Wilson came into his own this year. He's 97 feet tall, so he should have be dominating everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has uh, close to 700 yards, five touchdowns. This is the X factor for the Florida State Seminoles in this game. If they're going to contain Anthony Richardson and stop the run, Jared Verse is the dude who's going to do it. He'll be locked on an AR all night. Okay, he's got he's a defensive lineman for the Seminoles. Thirty-six tackles, nineteen solo, seven and a half sacks, and a fumble recovery. There's your guy. If you're if the, if the Seminoles stay in this game, it's Travis and Verse. Okay, that's the dude. Etn for me, and which AR we're going to get. I'm going with Florida State 31-20. You said, you said what's the final score? 
31-20 Florida State. I got Florida State 38-17. to I think this is going to be a route. They've been routing a lot of teams lately. I think they are going to force AR to beat them from the pocket. I just don't see a way that can't Florida... can't do it. He can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I just don't... Year. I don't see a way that, that Florida can win this game. Let's talk about this Tulane versus Cincinnati game real quick. Uh, Nino, we can kind of get into... Kind of get into, you know, some of the players that you're looking at. I know you have a, a close, you know, close connection with a lot of the the, the players um, and some of the sideline reporters for Tulane. So you can talk about them a little bit, and then we can both give our predictions. All right, listen. It's been enough. I kept my mouth shut about it because I didn't want to jinx them. But why does Willie Fritz not get any Coach of the Year love? Right? And 9-2. and two, Did anybody expect Tulane to be ranked 21 in the country no. at all this year? No. Did they expect them to be going bowling? Did they expect uh, a thousand yard running back out of Tajay Spears or Michael Pratt to have almost 30 touchdowns? No, none of that, right? They're number one in, in their conference. I think he deserves a little bit of love in my eyes. I I, I think he get, should, should be getting a couple votes in there. I might give him my vote and, you know, I got my top five, but he might, you know what? I'm going to go out there and say, I'm going to have to take out Brian Kelly and put Willie Fritz in there in my top five coach of the year. And that was hot. I'm not a Brian Kelly guy. I put him in there because LSU was surprising. Same. Um, I, I think we agree on that. But I, I like what Willie Fritz has done for Tulane. And, then, you know, my guy, you know who my guy is, Nick Anderson. He's just a straight dog. He's had so many opportunities this year. I thought he was going to get that touchdown, you know, the previous week. Yes. 88 tackles, 54 solo. He's got a sack and a half. And then Dorian Williams, who got the senior bowl invite. He's almost at 100 tackles. He's got 92, 60 solo, four sacks. Um, Nike those are still hasn't reached out to NA? There's a lot coming down the pipeline right now. There's a lot. There's a lot. They got, like, these secret ones they're not telling people about. You're going to sign in, like, a week or two, it's going to get even more hectic. So, um, he's probably going to get his. I, I, I'm hearing Spears is going to get one, too. Oh, yeah. So, I think he just got it, actually, a couple of days ago. I think they just they announced it in the locker room to him. I saw a video. Um but my linebacking guys, those are going to be the guys that are going to run Ben Bryant crazy. Um, Cincinnati, surprisingly, has done well. Look, listen, this where they are at 22 after losing Sauce, after losing Ritter, after losing Jerome Ford, after losing the line, uh, their linebacker and the defensive end to the draft. And he's got them at 22 on the year. And they lost a lot of skill position players. And that's uh, when yes. we talked about coaches the other day. I'm a big Luke Fickle guy. Yes. Because I believe the culture credit. that he brings uh, is undeniable. Yes, 100%. And he's get these guys to buy in, and they buy in early. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, they lost Ford. I thought I, I love Ford. I've been buying Ford everywhere in Dynasty because I think once Hunt's gone, he's going to be the guy behind Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had Charles McLean, right, who had he's a, he's a senior. He did nothing. And no disrespect to him, he, there was guys better in front of him. He did nothing for three straight years. And then he comes in, and Fickle finds a way to get him moving. He got 770 yards, six touchdowns, almost six yards per carry. Listen, Fickle's a dude. And he knows how to get the best out of his guys. Tyler Scott, Trey, Tur- Trey Tucker, you're looking at 11 touchdowns combined, close to 1,500 yards receiving between the two of them. If you don't know this man's name, if you're not an IDP guy, you're not a defensive guy, you better go check him out because he's going to be playing on Sundays. It's Ivan Pace, 106 tackles, 46 solo, eight sacks. Michael Pratt better keep his eyeball open for him. They may have to keep Tajay Spears in to check this dude a lot because he is going to be a problem um, for the wave on, on 
Saturday. But I'm going to go with Tulane. It's a big rivalry matchup. They're one, one spot differential in ranking. I'm going to go with Tulane. Ooh, this is a tough one. This one hurts. I'm going to go with Tulane. 28-24. Yeah, we, we were thinking along the same lines. Uh, I, I, love the, I love the pedigree. As far as it pertains to Cincinnati, they got Jim Trussell's nephew, Mike Trussell, as their defensive coordinator. Uh, Tulane's offensive coordinator, I like him a lot. Uh, Jim Swadope, uh, Swoboda, uh, hopefully I didn't Swoboda. butcher that. Sideline to sideline, balance offense. I, Tulane travels well. That's the thing. Their two losses came yes. at home. They, they're, they're undefeated on the road. Give me Tulane 31 to 27. Uh, thank you all for tuning into this show. Uh, thank my boy uh, Nino. Um, I, I know he has the run, but I, I have to get this off my chest. This show will not have reached some of the the heights that it has reached without Nino. Uh, I, I said this in a in a in a tweet earlier. You know, if you surround yourself with with, with Michaels, you will never lose. Whether it's Jordan, whether it's Jackson, whether it's Michael B. Jordan, I'm telling <laughs> you, this guy's amazing. He's took this show to a whole nother plateau. And sir, I truly appreciate you. As I always like Thank to say, <laughs> do something nice that somebody normally wouldn't do. Always pay it for it. Peace and love, peace and blessings, and until next time, one.